0: Well, if you are paying attention, you know that there are hard times coming for Christians. If you read your Bible, you know that when we're called to follow Jesus, we're also called to suffer in the same, in a similar way that Jesus suffered. Jesus uh, went to the cross. We know Jesus died on the cross, was buried, and rose again. And he said to his followers, one of the ways he talked about following him is he would say, take up your cross and follow me. At one point there in Luke, it says, take up your cross daily and follow me. What was he saying? He's saying, following me is going to involve suffering. It's going to involve sacrifice. It's going to involve difficulty. He never promised that following him would just be all sunny and no difficulty. I This week... Uh, I read parts of a book, listened to an interview uh, from a man named Rod Dreher, who's written a book called Live Not By Lies. He's written a couple of books about what's happening in America today and what we can expect to happen in America today. In his most recent book, he wrote about interviews that he had with people that lived in the uh, in countries of Eastern Europe that have lost their freedoms and he's done many many interviews with people who lived through those times who say what's happening in America today reminds them of what happened in their countries we can expect misunderstanding if we're christians we can expect rejection if we're christians if we're follow jesus we can expect that some people will treat us with hostility we can expect that there will be pressures that there will be prejudice against Christians, that, and there eventually may come in America, as there is in many countries of the world, open persecution. In an interview that the Rod Dreher had with Al Mohler, he said, one of the most important lessons I learned when I was writing this book, Live Not By Lies, is that as a people, we have forgotten how to suffer faithfully. One of the most important lessons I learned in writing the book is that as a people, we have forgotten how to suffer faithfully. In, in a recent survey of evangelical leaders, 70 percent of evangelical leaders say they expect suffering among Christians into America to increase in the coming years. I, I, I don't want to be unkind, but I think if a person doesn't see that coming, they have their head in the sand. And so the reason that I have chosen to preach through 1 Peter is because I believe faithful pastors today need to be prepared to suffer, and they need to prepare their people to suffer. Maybe another way to say this would be I would like to be faithful to prepare the generations that follow me, including people with my own last name or people that have come from Lewis and I, our children, our grandchildren, to, to live lives faithful to Christ. And in order to be faithful to Christ in the coming days, I think it will be required that we are are able to suffer pressure, persecution, difficulty is going to come. Now, Peter then wrote to people who were experiencing outward persecution. Scholars, students of 1 Peter, believe that maybe even during the time that peter was writing the book the pressure there was a point in the book where the pressure intensified greatly because he originally ca- talked in chapter one and verses six and seven about various trials but later he's going to talk toward the end of the book about fiery trials and 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 the context of that we'll, we'll save to talk about for a day a little bit later when we talk about fiery trials but but Peter has written a letter to people, Christians, that he loves. And he calls them elect, that's a, a, another word for Christian, chosen by God. And he calls them exiles, which is a way of describing when you've been rejected by people. He said, hey, I'm gonna write a letter to those of you who've been accepted by God when you were rejected by people. As if all Christians should recognize To some degree you're going to be rejected by people you're going to be misunderstood by people you're going to be ostracized by people you're going to be different than the average person this is something we have to get into our heads into our hearts and peter knew this that's why he wrote this book and i would remind you as you know it wasn't peter's own concoction this wasn't his home recipe peter wrote as he was carried along as he said by the holy spirit peter's writings are inspired writ they're holy writ they're the word of god there's a timeless truth from god god has spoken through peter to tell christians what to do when they face suffering for their faith so that's why we've chosen to preach through this and to review just a bit he says we're exiles but we're elect. In other words, you're rejected by the world, but you are accepted by God. And that's why it was good we sang this song about who we are today. Because this passage, that's the heart of what we're going to talk about today is who are you? How do you see yourself when you face suffering? The, Peter's actually going to give us four pictures about how suffering Christians should see themselves. And you can broaden this from Christian suffering because of your faith to any kind of difficulty that you're going through. And you can use these same pictures that Peter, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, has given to help you to deal with the difficulties that you're facing. He also said you're burdened, but you're blessed. And he went into that whole teaching about the blessings that we have in Christ. He also taught and, and told the, the, the elect exiles, the people that were spread out in in, uh, seeing themselves as exiles, spiritual exiles, he told them that their blessings are greater than their burdens. Their blessings are going to outlast their burdens. Their blessings are going to outweigh their burdens. And then last week as we studied the end of chapter 1, what we saw was that even though we're going to be especially tempted to sin when we go through suffering, that suffering is not an excuse to indulge in sin and that he challenged us to a holy life. So I'm sure you were in, you heard all those messages or you listened to them over and over again, I'm sure. And so you, you know what we talked about there. Now, we have these messages archived so that you can listen to them when you're doing the dishes or driving or something if it's useful to you. We also have the the outline of the messages online for that week. So the message I'm preaching right now, if I stay with my outline, you will be able to see it there online at BethelJackson.org if it helps you to see an outline. But let me just help you understand where I'm going in teaching this wonderful passage. Lily read the passage. You had to be thrilled, didn't you? Just to hear it. Well, first of all, to hear a young person read the scripture is, is thrilling. And, 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 uh, but, to hear, but to hear what she read, when she read that passage, Peter is going to prepare us for suffering by showing us who we are. And there are four really clear pictures. She's going to see yourself like a newborn infant in a special way, hungry with an appetite of a newborn infant. That's in verses 1 through 3. And then he's going to also, he's going to say, I want you to see yourself like a t- the temple of God, because you are the temple of God. And, and the temple language is, descri- is used in verses 4 through 8. And then in verses 9 and 10, he's going to say, see yourself like a holy nation, like God's people, the people of God, like your greatest national identity. We love America. I love America. Nobody in the house loves America more than I do but my identity is, is my, my nation is God's people over and above everything else. And it's not, it's not an unpatriotic thing to say that if you study American history, you know that, that, that in American history, you have many people of devout faith in Jesus whose loyalty was ultimately to Jesus Christ. And don't anybody tell you that, that American history isn't written that way. That's they can, they can change what they say about it, but they can't change what happened. That is what happened. If you don't believe me, just travel to any of the great historic sites and notice that they carved Bible verses on those buildings. Let's not be silly now. They carved Bible verses on those buildings. You, I'm, can, I, can I go down a rabbit trail? You want to say yes. When a pastor says that, always say yes, go down a rabbit, go. Lois is like, no, no. They, yeah, here's a rabbit trail. Yeah, here's a rabbit trail. The Israeli prime minister comes to the United States to speak. And he makes more sense than most of our politicians ever do. Just saying. And he's standing in our halls of Congress. And what does he do? He points to a bas relief of Moses. And he reminds us that we built our nation on the law of God. Very interesting. Very interesting. Anyway, just saying. There was my, there was my one and only rabbit trail for today. <laughs> Nonetheless, what, what, what I'm getting at is... We, Peter uses this picture of newborn babies that have hunger. He uses a picture of a temple of God that expresses the glory of God. He uses a picture of a people of God, a nation of God, where your ultimate national identity is the kingdom of God. And then he uses the picture of pilgrims, of through hikers, of travelers. That's what we're going to do today. So let's go look at the passage again. And let me just read again the first chunk. So put away all malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander that's not the main command in this chunk it's going to be in the next verse like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that you may grow up into salvation now if I understand the grammar of this the heart of this is this command this imperative like newborn infants long for pure spiritual milk and the spiritual there word is the logos word. And your translation may, seem the, may say the milk of the word. That's accurate. The word is logos. So like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. You have an appetite for God and you taste the goodness of the Lord, then don't, be, don't let your appetite be spoiled by... Things like malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander. And why would he start with that? Why would he bring that up? Because when you're under pressure, you tend to sin in your heart and with your tongue. When you're under persecution or suffering, your first intuitive reaction may be malice and slander and envy and deceit and hypocrisy. And he says the way to overcome that is to develop a child like, baby like. Hunger for the logos, for the word. For, and he calls it spiritual milk, the word milk, if you will. Put away malice, put away deceit, put away hypocrisy, put away envy and all slander. What does Peter start here in this chapter by telling the people to do after they are in suffering or persecution? He says, see yourself like a baby with a, with a hunger. I was there when our eight babies came into the world. Um, and one of the things I noticed is for our firstborn I, I will never forget, our firstborn came into the world hungry, came into the world searching for his mother's breast. It was such a shocking, wonderful, miraculous thing. It's like, how did he know that? He came into the world hungry so that he would grow and grow, he has grown. He turns late this week, he turns 40. And I still remember that 40 years ago. Isn't that incredible? Philip Yancey wrote a biography I read this week. He said that his father died of polio when he was a child, and his mother raised them as a single mom. She had a reputation for being a devout Christian at church. She was a Bible teacher. Everybody looked up to her. But at home, she struggled to be consistent. He says in, in a really powerful point in the book he says at one point she was berating his older brother marshall just berating him just saying cruel harsh unexcusable things mothers shouldn't say and the phone rang and she picked up the phone and it was somebody from church and she answered with a pleasant voice and for 20 minutes she carried on a really beautiful conversation about the things of the lord and prayer and such and then she hung up the phone and immediately picked up where she left off and continued to berate and the her his brother marshall and the rest of the book philip yancey's life is organized around his brother marshall's painful falling away from the faith because of the hypocrisy and because of the malice and because of the slander because of the harsh conversation that he grew up with. Philip Yancey's written wonderful books to help unbelievers untangle the knots of the faith. And here's what he said in his book. He said, I never have written one of those books without imagining my brother Marshall, who's rejected Christ, sitting across the room and asking me questions about that. Listen, hard times are going to come. Let's have an appetite for the word so that we don't fall into malice that's hateful and deceit and hypocrisy and and envy and and all slander. But like newborn babes, we long for the logos, word. It wouldn't be faithful for me as a teacher not to back up into the previous passage and include that when we talk about this, the power of God's word to drive out the ugliness of malice and envy and slander and hypocrisy. Back up with me now. You must do this in chapter 1, And and notice how we believe. Verse 23, Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but imperishable, through the living and abiding Word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and its glory is like the flower of grass. He's quoting Isaiah now. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. This word is good news that it's preached to you. So put away all malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander like newborn infants. Long for the pure Lagos word, the Lagos word milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Do you see the interesting thing about this? Is see the the, the importance of the Word of God in a believer's life, especially when you're going to go through hardship, or especially when you're going to suffer, or especially when you're called to obey when other people around you are disobeying. It's the Logos. Milk. Notice Logos word, Logos milk. Notice in verse 6, he's going to say, he's going to refer to the Bible. He's going to say, for it stands in Scripture, behold, I'm laying in Zion a stone. Uh, why am I bringing this up now? My point is just right here in the near context Peter's always appealing to Scripture as authority listen carefully please young people listen everybody's an expert today everybody's a talking head everybody's telling you what to believe can I say build your life on the Scripture study the Scripture if somebody's talking a little thought bubble should be going off in your head all the time they're talking is that what the Bible says a teacher's teaching, it's like the internet. It's like the internet. Just because it's on the internet doesn't make it true. Just because the preacher's saying it doesn't make it true. Just because the teacher's saying it doesn't make it true. That, your mind should be going, but what does God say? What does the bible say you look you look around look around and and notice the people that built their lives on the word of god and the end of their lives and the trajectory of their lives and the fruit of their lives and the the people that build their families their marriages on, on the bible okay okay they've gone through troubles they have their problems we're we're all needy but you watch those people follow that there's a blessedness there's a security even if they go through terrible hardships look at the people who rejected god who didn't believe in God and didn't believe in his word, and they had, they had some other locus of authority for their life. They had some other truth that they believed. They had some other teacher that they followed. They had some other thing they thought was right. No, no. The, the, everything else is going to burn up like grass, and when it's all done, the truth of God will still be there. Build your life on the word of God. The word of God remains forever. And those in verse 8, he, he describes people whose lives melt down into wickedness as and who stumble, meaning they stumble and fall to their destruction. A stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, they stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. There are two kinds of people in the world. The ones who through the power of the Holy Spirit obey the word and eat the fruit of that and the ones who rebel against the word and disobey the word. They're God's people and they're not God's people so don't let your bible gather dust don't just you know teach it and not live it don't don't uh, just know about it and not incorporate it into your life but but this is what he's saying when suffering comes make sure you have a really strong appetite for the bible you ever learned something from unlearned people I mean, I I like college professors. It's cool to talk with college professors. We have some in our midst. They're smart people they studied, but there are also other people who don't have book learning. And they also have been been around the horn a few times. I was driving through the mountains of Kentucky. I'll never forget this one night. I was listening to the radio, a Tennessee wind sucker kind of preacher guy on the radio, mostly for entertainment. I was listening to this guy and thought, how in the world do you do that with your voice, you know? And he said something that was just like, whoa, it was true. He said something like this i'll translate uh, for you he said something like this he said the reason that some of you don't have any appetite for god's word is because you are full of junk food you've been snacking on junk food all week i'm like that was some good common horse sense right there i watch this i listen to that listen to that podcast watch this movie two hours on this movie six hours on facebook and then the storm starts to blow, and I'm just blown away because I, I got nothing here. I got nothing. I got Fox News. Come on. I got CNN. I got the talking heads on TV. Seriously, when the, when the storm starts to blow, honestly, I'm not looking for Tucker Carlson at that point. Nice guy, very wordy. not looking for whoever else. You... Name your favorite non-biblical, unbiblical source. But you know, why do I say that? Because Christians are doing that right now. They're all nervousy because they've been listening to the cable news, nonstop gibberish, jabber, talk. Whose opinion? Your mama, your uncle, dudes down at the coffee shop, ladies at the hairdressers. Get out your Bible. Memorize the Bible. Meditate on the Bible. Obey this. Pick any part and obey it. Pick a little part anywhere and say, today I'm going to obey this or that. Our men's fire ring is super simple. We don't eat. We sat out in the rain Thursday night, didn't we, Eddie? A little misty. But what did we do? Well, we were going, okay, what does the Bible say? How can we obey it? Just show me any little thing in the Bible. It was like, we're going to love our wives. Okay, we're going to forgive our enemies. It would be better to obey a little of the Bible than to know all of it and not obey it. Am I right? So this is why... This is so important that we don't fill ourselves with junk food, but that we have an appetite for, have I made my point? I have have I Okay, so now let's look at the next chunk. This is in four through eight, four through eight. I want to read it again. As you come to him, now by the way, as I'm reading this, I want you to notice the temple language, the temple language. In the New Testament frequently, for some mysterious and interesting reason, God the Holy Spirit inspires His apostle writers. To talk about God's people like a temple and this is not something we should overlook it's a major theme in the Bible and, it, and it's used here in a rich way Peter got this here we go as you come to him this is chapter 2 verse 4 as you come to him a living stone rejected by men get it he goes you were rejected he was rejected he was a living stone he was rejected by men elect exiles but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. He was rejected by men, but he was chosen and precious in the sight of God. You were rejected by men, exiles, but you are chosen. You're going to see it here in a minute. You're chosen and you are precious in the sight of God. You see what he's doing there? That's what he's doing. This is verse uh, four. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. You, yourselves like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house. Another word for that would be a temple. To be a holy priesthood. See the temple language? To offer spiritual sacrifices. Temple language. Acceptable. Over and over again, when the Bible talks about giving a gift to God, it always says an acceptable offering. These these gifts were acceptable. That's what Romans 12 says. You give yourself to God as an acceptable offering. This This is temple language to God through Jesus Christ. So you yourselves, living stones, built up into a spiritual house to be holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe the stone that the builders rejected has become The cornerstone a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense they stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do now what do we have here you see yourself like a newborn infant hungry for the word when you're in trouble second you see yourself like a temple that's there to proclaim the glory of God as living stones you're rejected by men but you're chosen by God Jesus was rejected by men but he was chosen by God The the temple presence is the place, remember this, all throughout the Bible, you'll see where the temple appears, God manifests himself. He shows up. He manifests his glory. Listen to this. It's so important because I've said this a lot. I just, I I think anybody that listens to me teach I would hope this would be embedded in your heart. The the temple presence of God in 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 the garden was where God displayed his presence glory made himself known and where he made himself known there was a special power there and so it wasn't a tabernacle and so it wasn't a temple and so it was when jesus was personally on earth and now that temple presence is located where in the in the church so the language isn't you almost always it's plural it's you all not you not you are the temple of god so christians tend today to say i am the temple of the holy spirit well yeah 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 but the but the language of the bible the grammar of the bible is we are the temple the new testament church so therefore why is church important church is important because God, where the people assembled in a, in a men's firing, in a ladies' prayer meeting, in a ladies' Bible study, in, 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 a, in a place where you get together with that other person and you have breakfast and you hold one other combo to walk with God, God manifests Himself there. And in that, God manifests Himself, things about His excellencies we're going to see in the next chunk. There's a power in that. There's a transforma- transforming power in that. That You may not feel it immediately, you may not see it immediately. A new convert calls me, my little nephew calls me this week and he's a new Christian and he's going to church alone mom doesn't go to church Grandma can't go to church she's older and can't get out she's probably listening right now hi mom if you're listening and but my but but my, uh, our nephew Bobby he goes to church alone and she'd take him and drop him off and and he called me this week and he's worried about not growing fast he's worried about you know sinning and and it made him worried like if I'm sinning am I saved I'm talking out of school a little bit but i told him i said well the fact that you care about that shows that you are saved i think and you you keep doing the things you keep going to church you keep reading your bible you keep praying, you keep confessing your sin and you may not see your growth but you will grow i want to tell you the same thing today the means of grace that god has given his church and and prayer and sitting in a Sunday school class and listening and studying for a Sunday school class and teaching and coming to a wine, listen listening to verses or helping kids with verses or, or witnessing to a neighbor or, or prayer or studying the scripture, none of them, it's like good nutrition. You don't just eat a carrot stick one day and then you leap tall buildings in a single bound. It doesn't work like that. You can't have like pizza every night and pie and all of that. And then once you gnaw, you drink that one green smoothie in the morning and then you're, you're all cured. It's like, you got to drink. I haven't done this, but people I know that are skinny and healthy and all that do that a lot. They drink lots of green smoothies and they skip lots of pizzas. You know, I'm just really counting on my eternal life, but God help me not to depreciate good nutrition. But uh, God, you can pray for me that way. But hey, that's the way it is when you walk with the Lord. It's not like, oh, I just took this pill and I magically got holy. No, it's like good nutrition. Okay, so the temple language here we see ourselves as, so how, how do I face persecution? See yourself as a newborn baby and hunger for God's Word. See yourself as a temple for the glory of God, for God to manifest Himself. You, in some way this week, ask God to help you be like Him and manifest His glory. Start with your wife, your kids, your husband, your neighbor, the person that cut you off in traffic, the, the most irritating human being you know. Do something kind and loving. Be like Jesus. Third, see yourself. This is sweet, and this is really good. They're all good, right? See yourself as a people of God. See yourself as a people of God. Look at verses 9 and 10. This is amazing, right? You are, and, and this is why we sang that song, you are who I say you are. I am who he says I am. Um, you are a chosen race. You this is, you reject, you, rege- you rejects, you losers, you, you scattered Christians and just a minority in your community are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, the, uh, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, now you have received mercy. Wow. Is that, is that amazing? That's, you don't even have to preach on that. You just can read that and, like, that's amazing. This is who you are. Holy! You, you follow sports. Um, they say you shouldn't use many sports illustrations, so I won't. But the, the, the University of Michigan football team is undefeated right now. The Spartans are also undefeated right now. Did any of you notice this? These teams are undefeated, and they're playing this week. It's getting jiggy now. I mean, that's super, that's cool. So you got people over here go, I'm amazing blue nation. I sing, you know, that little song goes off of my head. Da, 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 da. That goes in your brain. It's like the fall of the year, that's what you hear. Then you got the sparty people. <laughs> <laughs> I can't tell you can sing the first seriously. You know, Someone now we know who you are, and so and, and then and then you got and you got the the holy you know they got the green and white stuff you wear everything you own and Saturday morning you're gonna get up and you're like this is my people right here. I'm a Spartan. I'm a Sparty. Right? Or you're that other team with the helmets that, that are recognized around the world. You're like, you know, right? You you have that identity, but there is an identity here that that goes that, and that's fun that's fun i i imbibe myself in, in, in a way but but i will tell you there is an identity that is actually eternal and ultimate there is an identity that will help you so powerfully overcome whatever opposition you face whatever heartache you face whatever death even death will not take this identity away from you even you can't take this identity away from you listen to these seven things chosen people royal priesthood holy nation people for his own possession people who belong to god proclaimers of his excellencies that we will that we may proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light we are called out of darkness into light and we are out of guilt and into mercy these are seven things chosen people royal priesthood holy nation people for his own possession proclaimers of his excellencies called out of darkness into light called out of guilt into mercy once you didn't have mercy now you have mercy none of these are small things my mother taught it to me this way i'd be ready to go off to school And she would often say, others may, you cannot. This this is a bad thing. This is a good thing. Stay with me. She had a little tract that she got about a person that really lives a consecrated life to God. And she read it as a youth. And she always told me, Kenny, others may, you cannot. What was she telling me? She wasn't saying, you're better than other people. We all knew Kenny wasn't better than other people. Mama regularly taught me Kenny wasn't better than other people. So that wasn't it. She She was just saying, you belong to this group and this is how we live and this is what we do and this is who we're not and what we don't do and others may but you cannot because you're special god you're a child of god you're a follower of god you're a holy nation you're kenny go off to school there among people who don't know the lord but you always are conscious that your identity isn't ultimately in those people or this world or that school, but it's in God, it's in the things of the Lord. I wish I knew how to open up the heart of people and put that in it. Because God alone can do that. you should ask God, I open my heart, you put that in my heart, that my loyalty, my greatest loyalty would be the holy nation, chosen people, I belong to God. This is the main thing about me. This is the main loyalty that I have, is Jesus and his persecution. An early church father said, persecution will show us who the hirelings are and who the true pastors are. And can I broaden that? Persecution is going to show us who the people of God are and who, who aren't really the people of God. When somebody comes along and they say to you, unless you accept my sinful lifestyle, then you can't be my friend, you have to say, I love you with all of my heart but I will not endorse your sinful lifestyle because it would mean I'd be rejecting what God said is true and you can't stutter then that's coming your way like a freight train that is coming your way you know that some of you it's in your life right now in our lifetime it may be for our children very difficult to train for certain professions at all unless they say About things that God says are wrong if they say they're right if you don't use the pronouns they tell you to use you don't get to be in that profession if you don't endorse people's behavior which is against God which is violating God's way you're not gonna be able to make money there there's that's the social pressure that's going to come quickly do you see it it's already here it's coming even stronger we're gonna have to decide whose side we're on we have to decide what we believe. Our ultimate loyalty. It's not going to be possible for us to sit back and be neutral. They're coming to get us. But we shouldn't be shy about what the, We should be kind. We should be loving. We should be careful. But we should know who our nation is. We are either a chosen people, royal priesthood, holy nation, people for his possession, proclaimers of his excellencies, called out of darkness into light. Once we didn't have mercy and now we have mercy or we're on the other side. And that is true. This is what we have to train ourselves to understand. And that is, we have to see ourselves, we have to, if, if you understand the way my mom was teaching me, you have to get that in your head. Others may, you cannot. They were gonna believe that, you don't believe that. They're gonna say that, so that you don't say that. They're gonna do that, you're not gonna do that. Are we gonna follow Jesus? Or are we gonna go another way? And the fourth thing, and that is, we see ourselves as a newborn, verses one through three, with a hunger for God's word. We see ourselves as a temple of God, living stone, spiritual house, verses uh, 4 through 8. We see ourselves as a special people of God, nation of God, uh, verses 9 and 10. And finally, we see ourselves as through hikers, as sojourners, as pilgrims, as travelers in this world. Now, you understand, we, I know, don't, don't remind me, I know that ultimately we come back to this world, which is renewed, I know that. I've taught that. Read the end. You can see that. But frequently in the Bible, the language is like, this world is not our home, is appropriate. We used to sing that song. That's appropriate. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. Remember singing that? The world as we know it today is not my ultimate home. The ultimate world is my ultimate home. When Jesus comes and he brings heaven to earth and the new Jerusalem comes down out of heaven to God and he renews the earth, you know, after the millennial reign, yes, that's my home. This is a different world than the one we're living in right now. And so we're, we're, we see ourselves as travelers, as pilgrims, as through hikers, not, you know, remember what I said, you don't redecorate Motel 6 when you rent a room for a night. You don't put a new TV in there and remodel the bathroom. You're not going to be there that long. And so in this world, a lot of us, we look around looks like, it looks like you're settling in, but you need to remember this is temporary. And the whole thing, in, you know, God renews it by fire burns. The curse out of it comes and makes it a whole new earth. So let's read the text again. Beloved, I urge you as through hikers, as pilgrims, as sojourners, as exiles, to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against the soul. One of the ways you can tell a person who's settling down in this world is like they give in to the, the illegitimate desires of their indwelling sin or their flesh. Do you have that tug on you? Yeah, you do. Of course you do. He's saying that's the thing. That, that's, that's war against your soul. Young man, you want to follow the Lord? Guess what? You're at war. You don't have to like it. It's just the way it is. My, my, my buddy that called me is like, man, I, I'm struggling with sin. I'm like, well, welcome to the war every man I know is facing. We got to slug it out there. Waging war against, yeah, what it is for you? Is it depression? I know. Many of you are bothered with depression or anxiety. I understand. And that's a war. It's warring against your soul. I understand that. God understands that. It won't be forever. One day God will overcome that anxiety, that depression. One day you trust him. You keep going forward. One day God will come in and he'll overcome that. You're not, this is not your final home. This isn't the last it's going to be. Right now, maybe you do struggle with the same-sex attraction or desire to be another gender. And it's a terrible thing to have to struggle against that and you're not alone god understands every temptation god loves you and you're precious to him and this isn't the final you understand there's going to come a time this world ends the new world comes you don't have same sex attraction in the next world that will not you'll not be tempted to sin in the next world you won't be that, that can you imagine and that will be forever and the, the that's a burden but but our blessings are remember they're longer than our burdens and they're greater than our burdens You'll live for millennia. You'll live for thousands and thousands of years without anxiety, without depression. You'll live for thousands and thousands of years without temptation. If you know God and if you trust him and you follow him, you're a through hiker. We always know this world is in our ultimate home. So there it is. You have an appetite for the word. How can you tell a person is going to be faithful in suffering? Number one, they have an appetite for the Word, like a newborn babe. Number two, they have a purpose to proclaim His glories and excellencies, like a temple of God. They have an identity as God's people. They see themselves. I'm, a, I'm first of all, a Christian follower of Jesus, Bible believer. And finally, they have a destination in mind. Notice that it says, beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles. You go, you're going somewhere. You have a destination in mind. It's, it's over, it is the, the one thing you always think about, where I'm going. And you have a devotion, this is key, to honorable living and to good works. Now, here's the here's the the guy who wrote the book that I was referring to earlier. His answer is create little groups. He calls it the Benedictine way. He's talking about, and he said create little groups, little pockets of resistance. And he said it happened in Poland, happened in Eastern European blocks of countries, that people got together in these little pockets of resistance. He's talking politically now. That's what he said. Little groups that... That, and, they, and he said, and they study the Bible, and, and they pray, and they also plot uh, what they're gonna do, you know, like to push back against the tyranny and such. I was thinking about that, and processing that, and reading what Peter said. I like what he said, but I like what Peter said even better, because Peter gets the whole picture. And Rod, he's on his way, he gets it, but, but, but Peter more. Because Peter says, look, create a little pocket of faithfulness, where you pray together, and you agree, and you encourage one another, you support one another. You remind each other what the truth is. And, and it's a pocket of resistance. It's not like the other people you love them. But he says, but don't live alone. Always figure out a way to reach out to them. Do you see the, the difference? We're not, just, we're not just pockets of resistance. We're not just that. We're also teams that are reaching out in the darkness and taking the light to people. Don't be overwhelmed by this. God is at work in it. God is at work. You know, there are people out there right now. There are there there people that have come to our services who God sent to our, to our church. It doesn't always work this way. This is what we got to go get them. But God's sending people to our church today who are seeking God. It's like the Lord is doing that. And, and, and there are people out there, I know you have people that reject your testimony and don't want to hear it, and, and they're not interested. But, they, but just keep being faithful and keep talking to people and keep being kind and loving. And you'll notice there are people over there, there are people there who are going to have questions. They're going to say, tell me what, you know, I heard a guy say, the other day that he was just irritated with his job, so he would just pray every day. God, help me get through this day. That's what he said. He said every day he just said, "God, help me get through this day." And he'd go do his job, and God would help him get through the day. And one day he got convicted, and he said, "I guess I'm going to change my prayer. God, help me get through this day, and use me if you want to use me." So he goes back to work, and he says he changes the prayer to from "God, help me get through this day" to "God." Help me get through this day and use me if you want to use me. And he says, that day a guy walks up to him and he says, you're a Christian, aren't you? And he goes, yes. He goes, tell me about that. <laughs> he goes, what? He goes, I just, just tell me about that. And he goes, okay. So he starts to tell him. He goes, hold on just a minute. I got a friend. And he goes and he gets his friend. He brings him back. He goes, my friend wants to hear it too. Go ahead. And he goes, what makes you want me to talk to you about what it means to be a Christian? He goes, because like we watched this movie and it freaked us out. We're kind of afraid. And we just need to know what is, what is the, what do Christians say about this? Why am I telling you this? I'm telling you this because here's what I believe. If you're a pocket of resist, you say, others may, I cannot. I'm not going to live that way. I'm not going to believe that way. I'm not going to go that way. I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm a holy nation. I'm going to live for God. I'm not going to do what they do, God helping me. But I'm going to love them. And I'm going to go out, like I'm going to make little forays out. I'm going to have little missions, get it? Out into the darkness where I get hold of somebody, bring them back to the fold of God. Not I'm going to go out and be like them, not going to be compromised like them. I'm not going to start to believe. A, I'm not going to say the stuff they say. I'm not going to believe the stuff that they believe. I'm not going to endorse the stuff that they endorse. I'm a Bible-believing Jesus-following Christian. I can't change the stuff. I'm not going to change the stuff. I don't have a better way. I'm not smarter than God. But I'm going to go out. I'm going to find people who are precious to God. Now, how do you do that? Obviously, you give them the gospel. But here's the key thing in this passage. That they will see your good deeds and glorify God in the day of visitation. And backing up, it says... Live among the Gentiles honorable. You have to understand in the New Testament, usually, when it says Gentiles, it doesn't mean Gentiles. It's, 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 a, it's a placeholder for really bad pagan people. So in other words, when it says Gentiles, that's because that, their language is like, you know, Jews and <laughs> Gentiles. Like we are Gentiles, right? Most of us. It's just like, you know how Gentiles live. You know how the Greeks are. You know, they don't have any clothes on and they do all that sexual immorality and you know that. And they worship a bunch of gods, them Gentiles, you know. So he's saying when you go out in the world, people who don't believe God live an honorable life with the gospel and do good deeds with the gospel. That's what it says right here. What do you do when you see pressure coming? Don't get to malice and envy and hypocrisy and evil speech. Don't live, it, you know. resist the passions of the flesh. That's what it says a little bit later. And, and give the gospel, proclaim the excellencies, and do good works. This is the plan. This is the Peter plan. This is the Holy Spirit plan. This is the Jesus plan. It's practical, isn't it? It really is. It's practical. You can do this. Your family can be a little potty. You do be weird. Well, you'll be a little bit weird, but you don't have to just be weird to be weird. You don't have to go off and live in a, you know, in a cave somewhere and stay away from the world. But you have, to have an, you have to insulate yourself against what they believe and where they're going, what they're doing, and then foray out in reaching out to people with the, with the example of an honorable life, doing good deeds. And, and that's the plan that God gives for us when we are in a world where we need to prepare to suffer. Urban Luther said this, Yes, we might have righteous anger as we see our culture destroyed. But if our anger spills over into our Christian witness, it only fuels the stereotype that the world already has of us. Yes, we're called to expose the sins of the world, but we do it with a redemptive message in humility and in compassion. Let me give you an example of that. Uh, I heard uh, uh, Jeff Mannion is the pastor, of the aid Bible church, where our son is uh, on the pastoral staff. Years ago, I heard Jeff talking about his grandfather, who was a godless man. Jeff Mann's grandfather was not a believer, and he was actually antagonistic toward believers. He was a godless guy. He lived in Colorado. He said his grandfather, had all of his possessions were in his home. It was a modest, mobile home. And he regularly rejected the witness of Christians around him and mocked their faith. And one day, his grandfather was out of town, and a terrible storm swept through the valley where he lived. And he realized that where his trailer was, that his trailer was going to be washed away in a flood, and all of his stuff would be lost and destroyed. And he wasn't even there to do anything about it. So his heart was broken as he made his way home after the flood. But when he got home, he realized that somebody had come while he was gone and had jacked up his trailer and put it on blocks and saved it from the flood. He began to ask around who did that. And they said, the guys from down at the church knew you were going to lose your trailer. So they came down and they saved your stuff. Jeff, as you can imagine, said his grandfather said, well, I guess I probably ought to go visit and get to know those guys. And then he came to know the Lord. And she'll love stories like that. Okay, I like to tell stories like that, but I also want to be in stories like that. I want you to be in stories like that. Jerry Glaze is one of our elders. He, faithful man, he regularly tries to seek out people to, to do good works, to, to encourage them, and also to give them the gospel. And uh, we've asked him to come today and pronounce a blessing. We also want you to know that we're going to have prayer partners come. Couples are going to come stand here in the front because you may want to come to know the Lord today. You want to be saved. And they can explain to you how to be saved. Or you may, have somebody, you may need somebody to pray with you over a need that you have, just like somebody to pray with you. They would, they would like to do that. And so if you would, you stand together. We're going to be dismissed with a benediction. And then our prayer partners are going to come as we, we pray. And uh want, to know, want you to know that uh, you study ahead on these passages of Scripture, and it will be much richer for you as, as you do. Let's pray.